Blog Talk Radio. My daddy served in the army. We lost his right eye, but he flew a flag out in our yard. Till the day that he died, he wanted my mother, my brother, my sister, and me to grow up and live happy in the land of the free. Now this nation that I love is falling under attack. A mighty sucker punch came flying in from somewhere in the back. Soon as we could see clearly through our big black eye, man, we lit up your world like the Fourth of July. Yeah, greetings and good morning to all of you. My name is Jason Dias, broadcasting live from the state of eloquentonline.net in beautiful New Braunfels, Texas, Republic thereof, and a short uh, drive right down the street to the McQueen Gun Club. His name is Nick Hart, firearms instructor and range master out of the McQueen Gun Club. Hey, Nick, how are you, sir? Hey, Jason, how are you? Good morning to everybody. Absolutely. Uh, great show last week. Looking forward to a great show uh, this week. Got a lot of cool stuff to talk about. And, of course, we want to thank our sponsors, the McQueen Gun Club and, of course, Benelli Firearms. If you want to see the perfect harmonization of technology and art and see it in a shotgun, please get out to the McQueenie Gun Club and check out the ethos line of Benelli shotguns. Just when you thought the shotgun, shotgun couldn't get any more perfect, Benelli went ahead and made it even more so. Um, was out at the gun club yesterday picking up some business cards from Matt Spalton, the president of the gun club, but I was headed over to the Cross Lutheran Church and School Pancake Supper. And i got to tell you, Nick, ever since I've been doing this show for you, with you, it's it's really changed how I view those types of events, you know, crowded events, um, again, not scared, but vigilant. And I just, sure. you, you always talk about threat vectors and being aware and the, where I sat myself when um, I was in the, in the fellowship hall and how I just looked at certain people that I didn't recognize, just a quick once over. And, um, you know, there is a difference between being scared and being vigilant. We're going to talk about that later as well. But how was your week at the gun club? Hey, it was it was great, and you know, uh, just on that topic, what you just said, Jason, uh, you answer a question for me. Uh, except for San Bernardino, name a mass shooting in this country in the past decade that hasn't been in a school, a church, or a movie theater. I can't think of one. Okay, so there's not one. And guess what? I can't think of one. Your my heightens my my sense of awareness gets heightened. Your sense of awareness should get heightened in those three places. And um, you know, you were just talking about uh, going to this event. It was a uh, over at Cross Lutheran School and things like that. Whenever I go into a church, a, a movie theater, or, or or you know, a school around school, my sense of awareness gets heightened. So, uh, so we had a great week. Here. Great week here at the gun club. Uh, you know, coming off a little bit of the Christmas hangover there. Everybody uh, everybody came in and rushed the sales desk to get somebody a shiny new gun, buy one for themselves or somebody else. All right. Now, now they're here to shoot them, so we're kind of we're kind of slammed on the range uh, at at different times. But um, it's been a, a good week at the gun club. That's awesome. I know that day I came in, Matt was probably thinking, I knew I should have added four more lanes. When I was designing, um, I, yeah, 
<laughs> well, that's yeah. awesome. Hey, folks, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, in addition to all the stuff you were doing at the gun club this week, you had a very interesting meeting with somebody. We're not going to use her name, but like everybody else, I'm, you know, listening to talk radio. I'm very, very much into uh, presidential politics. I've got a degree in American history. I love presidential politics, and so I've been very attuned to the news, listening to more talk radio and stuff. And there was a um, report, I think I heard it out of the San Antonio uh, station, that um, people were on the lookout here in New Braunfels for nice change of pace. This time it was a white guy wearing a hoodie, an older white guy in a hoodie who was uh, apparently getting picked up, uh, flagging people down, getting in their car, and then trying to, I guess, assault them or kidnap them. And you, you had a very unique experience. Um, tell us about it. You know, uh, well, you you say unique, but I'll, I'll be honest with you. I have had in in the in the you know thousands of students I've trained. I have had people come in, and this is is a recurring, repeating phenomenon. That uh, uh, after something like this happens, I always end up uh, end up getting to meet the person or someone connected to that person because they wanted to be vigilant. They decided to to do something. But yes, you're. You're you're right. There was the the woman who was the mother of the 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 21 year old girl who was uh, abducted and uh, and accosted at at gunpoint while trying to find out if somebody was okay on the side of the road. He stuck a gun in her face and uh, got into her vehicle and uh, and uh, she drove him around. She's a very uh, Intelligent, very slick, twenty-one-year-old girl. It surprises me that um, uh, someone is could be that cool and that savvy at that age. And uh, uh, you know, just um, uh, she she did some things that were uh, pretty quick on her feet, uh, uh, intelligence-wise. And uh, she she extricated her way out of that vehicle. Ended up uh, stabbing the guy in the leg with something she wow. had in the vehicle and. And uh, jerked the keys out of the ignition so he couldn't run her down afterwards, and uh, and got away from him. And uh, I, what I, from the last reports, from what I heard, this gentleman's still at large. So. Yep. That's what I heard. So, In fact, yeah. I was at McDonald's that night, and there was an older. I mean, I'm, I'm, it's kind of hard when they say older because I mean I would consider myself older. I'm 48. I don't necessarily look it, but um, I did see a guy walking out of McDonald's and get into the passenger car with somebody, and he was wearing a red hoodie, but he didn't look quite – I mean, I, I, I pegged him for late 20, so I didn't think anything of it. Um, but, you know, we talk about stuff here. You know, being vigilant doesn't always mean pulling a handgun on somebody. It's just about keeping your cool. And uh, it sounds like this lady uh, really kept her head together, and so you spoke to her mom, and we're hoping maybe to get her mom on the show next week. Is that correct? Yeah. I, I talked to her about it, and she said that she would be more than willing to do that, that it wouldn't be a problem uh, for her and uh, maybe even her daughter. And uh, and But her daughter sounds very, very courageous, and the, the father was in here as well. And, and uh, of course, he, he was horribly concerned about his daughter, but now very relieved. But they both seemed like very just genuine and nice people. That something bad happened to and happened to their uh, their daughter, and uh, she was very very fortunate that uh, he was deranged and just didn't uh, have a have a lot of 
motivation because uh, it could have it could have gone a lot different for her. Uh, and but um, uh, I was I was impressed with some of, and I'm sure if we have her on the show. We'll get much more detailed about the things that went on right. in the car and how she kind of uh, diverted his attention and was able to to look around and look where she was and buy herself time and things like that. But this is all kind of stuff we talk about in our classes, uh, about creating time and distance between you and your attacker, buying space and, and, and distance and time is a, is a key element to survival in a life and death, uh, life threatening situation. So, uh, she was, she was definitely vigilant. So, yeah, I totally agree, and that's one of the things that I thought about when when you told me this story earlier in the week. Uh, you and Chris both always talk about that time and, and distance, and um, a lot of the things that I've, I've read up about and heard about in those situations, the best thing you can do is try to get away. And you see all kinds of videos where people shoot point blank at people and miss. And so if you're on the move and moving, um, sometimes that's just the best thing that you can do rather than just getting driven to some desolate spot in the middle of the hill country here um, and left uh, for a much worse fate. Uh, so it sounds like a very, very sharp um, young lady. And again, it sounds like she just kept her head, and that really is the – that really is the key thing in all of this, and you and Chris talk about it all the time. You know, this is what you have to do. You can't panic. You can't start freaking out because once you do that, all of your survival instincts get clouded by that, and that's when bad things start to happen. Boy, she even uh, – hopefully I'm not coming out with too much detail. I'll let them tell their own story, but she even had the presence of mind to to uh, tell this gentleman a, a – uh, prevarication uh, basically she she lied to him about something when he he was in her vehicle which is fine if somebody's got a gun in your vehicle and has forced their way in it's okay to lie to him but but the yeah. lie served her well because uh uh she she got him to actually uh text something on her phone because he wouldn't he wanted control of her phone and the message that was sent the person on the other end immediately knew there was something wrong because Wow. Because the message that was was uh was incorrect and they knew it was incorrect and they thought this is just way out of line, there's gotta be something wrong with her. And uh and so but uh she had the presence of mind uh to keep cool enough with a guy in her car, not knowing what he was gonna do to her and, and with a gun in her face and, and do that. So that was a really good deal. That is smart. That is smart. I mean it just kinda of made me think about something. Uh, Chris told me one time that he had a, a word that he would tell his wife, if I ever say this and we're out in public, you need to get out of here. And I guess he told me he tested her one time. She wasn't really happy about it. But that kind of brings up an interesting point. So everyone has these uh, smartphones now, and maybe that is something that you should talk to your loved ones about, that if I text you the word, you know, bozo, or if I text you the word Gumby, something is wrong. And, you know, that may be all the time I have. Uh, with my phone. So I don't know, just something to think about. Again, being vigilant and being prepared. So hopefully we can get one or both of them on the show. That sounds like a fascinating story. And one of the things I love about radio is you can you can dive into these stories with a little more um, depth sometimes than you get in a three or four second television interview. Hey, up next I wanted to ask you, uh, this is something that is, uh, I think, overlooked a lot of times when we're talking about these situations, perhaps uh, in a different, a more ideal situation, she would have had uh, a handgun 
with her. Um, but there are, Nick, some legal ramifications when you pull the trigger, even if you, in your mind, were justified. And uh, you chatted with me a bit about that about that this week. But once you pull that trigger, you can't bring the bullet back. And so there are some legal ramifications to be aware of, aren't there? You know, uh, Jason, I I talk about this, and 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 I'm I'm a subject matter expert in the area in the in the area of the legality of what Texas Penal Code says about it. Now, after that, a an attorney is going to get a hold of this deal, and they're going to decide. And there's a bunch of shades of gray in the law. Everybody thinks the law is black and white, and it is not. Right. And so uh, uh, one of the first things you said was about, you know, after you pull the trigger, there's, there's an aftermath to this deal, and there certainly is. And it will it – will, now, the people from Texas Law Shield are the real subject matter experts on this, and I happen to know them. I've carried Texas Law Shield for years. I work with these guys. They're, they educate people. You know, they brought, they brought two of their tar- attorneys from Houston to come to the gun club at absolutely no cost to whoever wanted to sign up for their free seminar just to say, hey, this is what open carry is about. These are the, this is what's going to go on. This is what you can expect. And, uh, and, and they fielded questions for an hour, then they give an hour seminar. And uh, it was an hour's worth of with a, with a firearms attorney, somebody that specializes in penal code that deals with, with firearms. And it was just a great, great deal. And you're right, there is a huge aftermath in the legal system for you after you pull that trigger. And I'm, I'm sure you – I don't know if you need to take a commercial break, but after after we come back, we can get into what, yeah. what might the aftermath look like. So. Oh, well, we'll do that. That's actually a good time to do so. Hey, folks, you're listening to The Vigilant American. My name is Jason Dias. His name – is uh, excuse me, his name is Nick Hart. He's also vigilant uh, with this, and so we are going to talk about that because Nick, I'm sure you've seen stories where the perpetrator that got shot turned around and tried to sue the person that did the shooting. And uh, so you're absolutely right about the shades of gray. We'll talk about some of those legal ramifications, and we'll do it all right after this. about it, Nick. Um, uh, it's happened. You had to draw down on someone. You pulled the trigger. Uh, talk about talk to us about some of the things that, that are going to be uh, in your new reality. Well, now, listen, let me, let me say this first and foremost. Uh, 99% of law enforcement officers, LEOs, what we refer to them as, uh, LEOs are out there serving the public in an honorable way. They're good men and good women doing a very difficult and tough job out there. But sometimes you can get caught in a system, and it's very, very difficult to get out unless you are lawyered up. And so one one of the things I teach people in my concealed handgun or now licensed to carry courses 
is that uh, is if an officer sh- shows up on scene, be polite and professional to them. Obviously, you if you just shot someone, and and it's not your business whether or not that person's expired. That's not we don't train people to kill people. We train people to stop the threat. And as soon as the threat right. stops, you stop shooting. So, um, but whether or not that happens, you are you are to be polite and professional law enforcement and tell and tell them, you know, officer, I'm the victim. That's the bad guy. I shot them to stop a threat on my person. If you want any more out of me, it'll be in the presence of my attorney. This time I wish to invoke my Fourth, Fifth, and a Sixth Amendment rights. And then if you have a lawyer, call them right then. Do not blather right. on on scene because the law enforcement officer is not your enemy, but they're going to have to write a report. And the only thing the grand jury sees is what you said on scene. And if you say right. that, unless you're trained in this, if you sit there and blather on while you're sweating and pulling your hair out, and now you've got yeah. an emotional outburst going because 15 minutes later it just hits you that you just had to take a human life in a Walmart parking lot. And right. so, uh, you know, you say something ridiculous like, I just murdered someone and used the wrong terminology. The only thing that grand jury sees is your statement that you just murdered someone. So uh, it behooves people to be polite and professional to Texas peace officers and law enforcement officers on scene to cooperate with them, but to not give too much information and to invoke their right to remain silent and to know that if 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 he doesn't like that, the law enforcement officer doesn't like that fact, you're probably going to go to jail. And right. know this, that if if you do shoot someone in self-defense, you may go go to jail for the night. It's it's a reality. Wow. And, and you, one that you may have your firearm to, confiscated. Exactly. Exactly. And it may and it happens to a lot of people. And so you just have to be prepared to go into the system. And I I don't want to give a, a great big huge because I'm not here to give a, give a sales pitch for Texas Law Shield or any other company. But the reason I refer to Texas Law Shield is because they're the only ones that I know that go around the state educating people for free. And number two, they're not right. selling insurance. So I don't want insurance. I want an attorney. So exactly. uh, they're they're the real subject matter experts on this and the aftermath and, and what goes on. But, but uh, you know, you have to not only be vigilant about self-defense, but vigilant about what's going to happen after the self-defense because you can get caught up in a legal system that may not treat you friendly depending on where you are, the district attorney's uh, view on guns and citizens with the, the right to defend themselves and things like that. And things get wompy sometimes in life, and that can that can surely happen to people. So be vigilant after as well. That's a great 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 point. Anybody and anybody who's been mixed up in even a misdemeanor, even a traffic ticket, knows what the expense can be. You can you can easily go two hundred dollars to just take care of a moving violation. Um, you can imagine if you get a grand jury indictment handed up 
in a manslaughter or a you know assault um, aggravated assault case uh, it can literally bankrupt people a simple you know felony case like that hiring attorney and stuff so that is great great advice but as as Nick said be vigilant but remember um, tremendous responsibility comes once you get that license to carry and it doesn't end because as you heard us say um, there's never been a, a bullet manufactured yet that once that firing pin comes home that you can say, oh, didn't mean to do that. Let's bring the bullet back and put it in the casing. It just does not work that way. And, it, you know, well, you, you made me think about something. Go ahead. You know, you make a great point. And here's what the Texas Penal Code says about that. It says it's reckless injury to an innocent third party. And what happens is, is in Texas, even if you're justified in discharging your firearm in defense of yourself, if you recklessly injure or kill an innocent third party that's in the background, clutter behind that person, your bullet passes right. through the other individual, or you miss, you hit them with two, the, the target, and then you, you miss with one and, and injure or kill somebody, you can be charged with a, a reckless injury or, or death. Or And so... Absolutely. Uh, it's uh you know you're responsible the easiest way to say it is in texas you're responsible for your ammunition ends up at so awesome. uh, yeah, absolutely well you you was thinking about when you talked about the lady taking the keys that reminded me uh i may have i may have talked about this briefly on the show but back in 1992 i worked at a place called the texas med clinic at the colonnade in san antonio and we were walking out one night at 11 o'clock which is when the clinic closed and a guy walked right up to me and put a shotgun in my stomach and said, give me all the money. And we didn't really have any money. They got away with about $12 in my frozen breakfast tacos from that morning. Um, but as I was giving them all my stuff, I absentmindedly put my car keys in his hand. And uh, at the very end of that little terse exchange, I said, well, I need these. So I think I need to get home. Um, you can have everything, but not my car keys. So I took my car keys back out of his hand. And he ran off with his friends, jumped in the car, and, and, and took off. Well, I ran to my car. Um, I had a little 32 caliber five-shot revolver that I kept under the seat like any knucklehead Texan would in those days and went chasing after them down I-10. Never found them, never caught up to them. But when I came back, the police were there. And, of course, they were interviewing me. Well, why did you leave the scene? And I said, oh, I went after them. Uh, well, why did you chase after them? I said, because they had to put a shotgun in my stomach. I have a gun in the car. I was going to go, you know, stand. Oh, you should have done that. Is that gun registered? Did you buy that? And so it's like you said, in a split, in, in less than 10 minutes, I went from being what I thought was a responsible, you know, American defending myself, although I wasn't really because I went after them, to, to literally I felt like I was the, the criminal the way I was talked to. That night outside the med clinic, they were looking at my gun and checking it. Did you shoot? Asking all these questions. And so you're absolutely right. I was very polite. Um, I did not get charged with anything. Um, but I, I'm sure I could have been because it was a loaded gun in my car. And I'm not sure it was even legal in those days. And that kind of brings me to my, my next point, and that is, do you remember what life was like before the concealed carry laws were in place? Did you sometimes feel like you were just out there on your own and only the criminals were armed? Well, to be honest with you, it probably helped us. It it, it it helped clear up some things. And so before before the CHL program, uh, so, you know, if you caught the, the right deputy sheriff, the right police officer, and they were a Second Amendment guy, and they just said, hey, you know what, it's not necessarily illegal to 
have a firearm on you. And so, right. but if you caught the wrong guy, they would go, yeah, you can't have a concealed handgun on you, or you can't have one on your person, or you know what, I don't like that. I think it's the wrong situation. It was always left up to officer discretion. Well, and that's not a bad thing. Those officers are trained. But you know, when you get it in, in uh, black and white and you start to put things in the penal code, now we can go back and say, hey, I wasn't doing anything wrong. I'm allowed to have this gun on me. There are laws that permit me to, to do that. So, you know, uh, and, uh, and so I was happy uh, when the Texas CHL uh, concealed handgun program was rolled out. And I'm even happier now that Texans have the choice. Uh, to either open carry or conceal carry on their person, any expansion of our gun rights to me is a good thing. So, yeah, I agree with you. Speaking of expansion of gun rights, uh, we're good about that here in the great state of Texas. With five minutes left on the show, another point I wanted to get to. Um, I've got a good friend that used to. If you remember when you were first on the show, the One City Under God show, my co-host Caitlin Anderson uh, went up to Baylor. And they had like a student panel with the uh, administration up there past week, and she she mentioned to me that it was very, very one-sided. Of course, Baylor is a private university who I guess can opt out of the open carry on campus. And Caitlin described it to me as the students uh, were very much in favor of this, uh, but that the administration at Baylor, she said it was a very, very one-sided uh, debate. And I just – I think that is just so typical um, in our society – today uh, that it seems, like I said, we need kind of a new narrative about this, and it doesn't surprise me one bit that even on what we consider a private conservative um, Christian campus like Baylor, um, the, the, the faculty is against open carry, and she said the majority of the students were in favor of it. Well, of course, I I, I wasn't there, and I, I you know I don't know their, their thinking behind this, so I can't speak intelligently to what the faculty at Baylor is, is trying to get across or, or trying to say so but I can tell you this for, for um, most of the time religious institutions have been against the carry of firearms hospitals schools uh, you can see this across the board but they are really out of touch with mainline Christians and Christianity because in most churches most churches and church members are very supportive of at least concealed carry in their uh, in their congregations and am- among their people. So uh, yep. it, you can see this. Uh, the main place you can see this is with hospitals. They're mostly uh, religious in nature. If you start going down the line, Methodist health system, Baptist healthcare right. system, Baptist, yeah, Presbyterian, yep, right. So and, uh, and but every one of them will have a. 30 odd six sign up and they're all legal so they're keeping you out preventing you from carrying there at the hospital so um exactly. you know it just it comes out there but that's not the that's not normally the view of the of the average uh, uh christian or or person that would consider themselves spiritual that uh that the the institutions seem to be out of touch with with the people that are coming through their institutions so I totally, I totally agree. Hey, folks, we've got about three minutes left on the show. As I told you, we're going to start a new segment here called Rapid Fire. And so this week, my Rapid Fire is very, very simple. Uh, I'm going to give you my thought, and then Nick will give you a comment on it. But I am, this is my Rapid Fire today, I am sick and tired of hearing candidates say the American people are scared. I am not scared. I am vigilant 
but I am not scared. I will be going to see 13 Hours today at a movie theater, as Nick just mentioned, one of the top three places where mass shootings take place. I am not scared. If you want to walk into the movie theater at Creekside and start shooting up the joint, I'm not scared. I'm going to shoot back at you. But I'm sick and tired of people saying that I'm scared because, Nick, I know you're not scared either. Yeah, I think who you're referring to is, you know, there's a mostly uh, it's the Republican candidates that are getting a lot of attention and uh, hardly anybody's paying attention to to Hillary uh, until she gets in a dead heat with somebody. So, um, <laughs> exactly. so uh, uh, but but you're right. There's a lot of. Um, hey, you know, uh, fear mongering going on with, uh, you know, and and I think I I understand what they're talking about. Maybe their verbiage isn't isn't quite correct. Yeah. They, what they mean is, is, I think Americans are sick and tired, and they don't want to send their kids certain places. They don't want to they don't want to go certain places anymore because they're afraid they're going to get you know shot yeah. up or whatever. So, um, but uh, I I I do agree with you that. Uh, the terminology does matter. Words do matter, and so um, I, I would say you're absolutely correct. I may not, I'm not scared, I'm not afraid, but I am vigilant and concerned enough to know that if I walk into one of those heightened places, school, movie theater, or or a, a church, my sense of awareness goes up because every mass shooting over the past decade, with maybe the exception of one or two, have been in one of those three places. And Absolutely. so, um, hey, uh, uh, you know, but you're, but you're right. I'm, I'm, I'm not scared either. We don't want to, to teach or preach fear. Uh, we certainly don't do that here at McQueenie Gun Club or in my training courses. So we, we teach people to be, be vigilant. Awesome. That's right. Hey, that's the name of the show, The Vigilant American. That That is the name it of the is. show that was here out of time. His name is Big Card. He's the range master. If you want to get your license to carry, if you want to train with your firearm, get out to the McQueenie Gun Club. Uh, ask for Nick. He will get you squared away and on target center mass. Um, you'll be ready for anything. Hey, Nick, you have a great week out of the McQueenie Gun Club. Thanks, Jason. Good show. My name is Jason Dias, broadcasting live from the studio of eloquentonline.net. You've been listening to The Vigilant American. Until next we speak, we'll talk to you all next week. Take care. The V is a V, and that's all, folks.